Not a matter of if, but when a crisis could rock your world. I'm Rashini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, and host of The Crisis Files. In each case file, we explore a real-world crisis or a ripped-from-the-headlines controversy. My crisis squad and I are here to find solutions. We also talk with subject matter experts to help you find a fix. Today, the Crisis Files wellness contributor, Jamie Martin, is here. Jamie is editor-in-chief of Experience Life, an award-winning health and fitness magazine by Lifetime. She's here for the case file I call Digital Detox. Jamie, most of us admit to spending too much time with our devices, whether it's trying to answer that last email at an inappropriate time or doom scrolling when we should be getting work done, or just enjoying the world around us. What's too much? Oh, Roshini, that is a really good question, and I really think it depends on each individual. How is it affecting our quality of life? Is it affecting how we engage with others? Are we losing time? And I thought I was doing this for 10 minutes and an hour has gone by suddenly. I I know I've been there. I don't know about you. For sure. But it absolutely is an issue for a lot of people. In fact, it's something like 47% of adults admit to having kind of an addiction to their smartphone. That is a very high number. Also, just the amount of time we're spending on it. Something like we pick up our phones every 12 minutes. Typically, that's 80 times a day. Totally agree. And often it's the first thing you go to in the morning. And I purposely charge it in another room, but I still find myself going to it very quickly after I wake up. Well, it's the source of everything for us right now, right? It's the world at our fingertips. It's how we communicate with many people. It's our texting. It's our phone calls. It's our source of news and social media and connection with a lot of people. So it's not a surprise that we're spending a lot of time with it. But how do we manage it is the the bigger issue at hand. As you tick off that list, that in itself is dizzying. Yes. Tell us a little bit about the difference between a habit and a behavioral addiction. So a habit is really the small decisions and the actions that we take every single day. James Clear is the author of Atomic Habits, and he has cited research where something like 40% of our daily habits are our actions every day are because of our habits. And so they drive our behavior. They can be positive or negative, as you know. You know, one of my bad habits when I was a kid was biting my fingernails. But they're also really positive habits. And what really makes them stick is making them small, sustainable, and repeatable. Whereas behavioral addictions are actions and behaviors that we take in our lives that tend to be more damaging or destructive. And we often think of addictions as substance addictions to alcohol or drugs, but behaviors like excessive social media use, excessive shopping, gambling, you know, sexual addictions, those are behaviors that don't have a chemical source, but they've been found by research to trigger a lot of the same neural pathways in the brain. And so we're getting that kind of dopamine release, that pleasure response, so we want more of it. And that's where behavioral addictions can become damaging to us because they're destructive, especially when we keep doing it over and over and over again, or we go back to them like our smartphones. Speaking of those smartphones and something many of us do over and over every day is looking at our feeds in various platforms. Can this mindless scrolling lead to manic behavior? Absolutely. It can contribute to mental and emotional distress. It can make us feel like we're not measuring up to what's happening in the world around us, it can create loneliness in our world. I mean, there's often this false sense of community in 
the social feeds that we're part of because we think we're staying in touch with people. We know what's going on, but we're not actually connected. And so it creates like, I got to go back. I got to see what's new. What's the next thing? And so we just keep going. And that can turn into things like doom scrolling where you're looking for that next thing, the thing that makes you like almost a little bit of tragic or catastrophic thinking about the state of the world, depending on what's in our feeds. And those are all driven by algorithms. When we had you on earlier to talk about sleep, One of the tips you gave us was to time yourself, you know, okay, you can have this amount of time with your phone, this this amount of time away from your phone, especially right before you go to bed. So how can you give us a new prescription in our digital detox scenario? We can't really leave our phones completely alone. So we recently covered the book Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport in an issue of Experience Life, and he really proposes this philosophy around our tech use that is driven by our deeper values. And that is really taking our tech use rather than saying, I'm going to do a Sabbath day with my phone. I'm not going to use it on Sundays. He's really proposing a longer form of digital detox that's 30 days long, which is really interesting. And that's a hard thing. And that's why I love comparing it to a detox if you're doing a food elimination or detox, because it's a really challenging thing to do. It's really having to take the time and be reflective about the behaviors and actions that are making us want to do this other thing. And how do we change those behaviors in a meaningful way? Same thing with digital. What's one of your favorite tips that he gives? It's maybe a small thing in this 30-day detox from your phones, from your digital platforms. How do we then make that sustainable? What was one of your favorite tips? Well, I really like the preparation part before the 30 days even starts. It's really taking a close and clear look at your apps, your website use, where are you spending your time on your technology and your devices, and deciding what's optional and what's really essential. Being very clear about what those things are. And it takes a lot of reflection to say, do I really need this app in my daily life to have meaning in my life? You know, is it adding to my life in any way? Or is it really just distracting me and taking me away from the behaviors and the people and the things that I want to be doing and spending more time with? And so I love how he suggests kind of doing a look at your phone, going through your apps, what are you using every day? What is really just a distraction? Is this game really necessary? Do I need all of my kids' apps on my phones? You know, those kind of things. What can we delete first What can we delete? And one thing that I personally did was I spent a whole Sunday morning one time just looking at my apps and organizing them into folders and then moving things to farther screens. So rather than having it on my home screen, moving it away. That was kind of my first step. It was an interesting exercise because I did find myself like, well, now I know it's there. I'm going to go find it. But it was that initial step of let's organize and delete based on what I'm really using. So I love that because it's all about reflecting on what it contributes to your life and then deciding, do I need this? He also suggests in that preparation phase of putting together these standard operating procedures around the apps that you do keep. So let's say you have an app that is essential for work. When is it essential for work? How do you use it in a way that is actually what it's for and not, again, a distraction. I'm going to check my email at this time versus having it anytime I feel like I pick up my phone, I'm going to check my email. So having those standard operating procedures around the essential and critical apps that you need to keep or websites, and then having that posted somewhere as a reminder. Yeah. So that's even pre-detox. Yeah, that's really great. (laughs) Wonderful tips. And you can check that out on Experience Life online, all of their articles, and, and definitely this digital detox. It seems that our goal is really to have more of a meaningful life. I know your magazine is very dedicated to that. Most of us want more meaning in our lives. So there are some things about digital 
that do contribute to that meaningful nature. Let's use Instagram as an example. So let's say we go through the 30-day detox and we realize Instagram is an app I want to keep because I get to see pictures of my nieces and nephews and things like that. So that's a standard operating procedure I can put around that optional app once I bring it back in because it does create that sense of connection, for instance. And so that's one example of it can do good. It can connect us with communities of people who have a likeness to us. You know, I think about when my sister's son was ill, she was able to connect with other families with this rare genetic disorder and through social media, she wouldn't have had that otherwise. So there are these communities that are created via the access we have in our phones and all the social media, the websites that are out there. So it can be for good. I and think that's it's making really it meaningful. Yes. yes, that is powerful. I mean, yep. it is powerful how much it has made the world a smaller, more easy place to navigate. Yes. But just like too much chocolate, too much of a good thing exactly. can become that bad habit or indeed an addiction. Absolutely. It's not just to cut back on your tech use. It's to figure out what else could I be doing with my time that's going to create meaning. One of the examples that Cal Newport uses in the article we talked about is how many more books people were reading, for instance, as a result of putting their phone down. But for somebody else, it might be, I'm going to move my body more. I'm going to learn a new skill. I personally have been wanting to learn to play the guitar. If I decided to do this, would that make time for that instead of sitting there and scrolling at night or, you know, playing the Wordle game or whatever it ends up being? So how does it create space for more meaningful and satisfying activities in your life that help you then contribute to a greater good? Right. So you're also recommending that we're realistic. Digital platforms, our phones, they're not going to go away. But we need to take control of them rather than letting them control us. Absolutely. It's really about us being proactive about our use, connecting it to our deeper values and what brings meaning to our life, and then moving from there. But always kind of coming back to the values, the standard operating procedures, and then being willing to check in with yourself on a regular basis. Because it's really easy, as we all know, to slip into habits that become kind of negative over time. Very fabulous tips from our show's wellness contributor. Thanks to Jamie Martin, Editor-in-Chief of Experience Life magazine, available online and through Lifetime. Today's Crisis Brief is brought to you by Goff Public. Number one, ask yourself if you could walk away from your favorite apps or smartphone at any time. If you are prioritizing your devices over important things in your life, it might be time to get some help. Number two, Create your own standard operating procedure. Determine what is necessary technology versus unnecessary technology. Then consider a 30-day break from technology that is not necessary to your job or everyday life. Number three, after your digital detox, think about how you will introduce that technology back into your life. Does it add value? If it doesn't, maybe you don't need it after all. Prepare and plan before a crisis strikes with Goff Public, an award-winning public relations and public affairs agency. Your best defense is a crisis-ready culture that helps you spot potential issues, act swiftly, and reflects your brand's values while building trust with your audiences. Learn more at GoffPublic.com. Thank you to our podcast producer, Kim Inslee, and audio engineer, Tom Hamilton. Catch up on all case files at thecrisisfiles.com for the show archive plus special videos. Subscribe to our YouTube page on thecrisisfiles.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at The Crisis Files. 
Please rate and review The Crisis Files on wherever you listen so others can listen for crisis prevention information. We do not provide legal, financial, medical, or PR advice for particular situations, but strongly recommend you seek out professionals to help with your specific need. I'm Roshini Rajkumar. Join me next time on The Crisis Files.